This is Comic Shenanigans episode 217, the comic reviews episode for the week of Wednesday, November the 5th. This is Comic Shenanigans episode 217. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is our reviews episode for comics released Wednesday, November the 5th. I'm recording this on November the 6th as when this goes up, November 11th, Remembrance Day in Canada. I'm actually going to be out of the country in Cuba on vacation, so I thought I would still put up an episode uh, for comics that were released this week. Now, as I'm recording this on Tuesday, as opposed to my usual... Sorry, as I'm recording this on Thursday, as opposed to my usual sometime the following week, uh, I have only read six comics. So this is going to be super fast, even for me. I've said before, sometimes I'll do super fast review episodes. This will put all those to shame. This might even be my my shortest podcast yet. Um, so looking at this week's comics, let's just jump right in. Uh, we got Action Comics 36, which, to be honest, I was not looking forward to at all. I wasn't really a fan of how the last issue ended. The whole idea of... Um, Smallville becoming Horrorville, um, but this is written by Greg Pak, who I've been really not a big fan of his work on Action Comics thus far. Our work by, our work by Aaron Cooter, who for the most part I have enjoyed his take, um, I actually really dug this. There's something about Superman with a beard I really liked, um, which we haven't seen for a long time. I like how Pak is writing Superman here and his interactions with Lana as well as with Steel. Um, I actually thought it was really interesting and engaging. Um, I was much more into this than I think I have been into action comics in, in a while. Although I guess I could probably go back and look at previous issues and maybe I have liked some of them more than I thought I did. I'm actually going to give it a, a 7 out of 10. It was a solid read. I'm, again, not a huge fan of the Horrorville idea, but he sold me on this issue because he grounded it in who Lana is, who John Henry is, even though I'm not really sure about that relationship yet. And I also it grounded itself on how it was presenting Clark. And I... That beard, something in the characterization has worked, is, is flipped again as well. Not just the uh, illustration of him now having a beard, but something about it just really works for me. Uh, next up is uh, Old New X Factor 16, uh, as we continue the run on this book. Um, this is written by Dan Sl- uh, Sorry, I was going to say Dan Slott. That's completely wrong. Uh, it's written by Peter David, artwork by Carmine DJ Domenico. Um, kind of a fun fun issue considering it's part of Axis. It continues where we were last issue with uh, Sentinels kind of trying to attack Serval because of what uh, they have, which is this um, this nuclear football. Uh, I actually really dug how the characters are written here, going up against these Sentinels, uh, starting to act a little bit more like a team, um, seeing what Danger, how Danger feels about Warlock being hurt. Um, the very end, I don't know what the hell is going on with Longshot. I mean, Sunfire looks badass and cool. I'm not really sure what's supposed to be going on with Longshot here. That being said, I did enjoy the rest of the issue. Um, it's a lot of characterization. Um, the idea that uh, Harrison's uh, wife is you know, kind of used as a bartering chip and the hero is going to go to save her even though Harrison kind of makes it look like he doesn't care. I thought this was actually a really strong outing. Um, I, I did enjoy the artwork by Carmine quite a lot. Uh, I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. Not quite a, uh, an 8 this time around, but I did enjoy it. Uh, next up is Amazing Spider-Man number 9, which begins Spider-Verse. Um, and this is part, Spider-Verse part 1. Obviously, it's going to go into a million tie-ins, but the main book, I guess, is in, here in Amazing Spider-Man number 9. That is the beginning, anyway. Uh, it's written by Dan Slott, artwork by Olivier Coipel. Um, we start the issue looking at Spider-Man. Um, he's been told he has to kind of get to work, and he goes up against Marlon. 
And then we think it's one thing, but it turns out this was Spider-Moon Man on a completely different Earth, and we see a little bit more of uh, Merlin's kind of family uh, talking to the, uh, the Weaver uh, in, on Loom World in terms of uh, doing the hunt. Um, we also finally get to see Peter of the current continuity, him teaming up with Silk. Uh, they kind of end up going up against the looter, and then they kind of get uh, besieged on all sides. Uh, by all sorts of characters that are spider-related, including Spider-Woman, uh, Jessica Drew, uh, Anya Corazon, who's Spider-Girl, uh, apparently the protege of Spider-Woman right now. Uh, we have Miguel from 2099. Um, and then there's, a, what, uh, Spider-UK. You have Mayday uh, from uh, Earth-982 that we saw last issue. You got Spider-Ham. Um, I found this issue at times to be poorly paced, um, I, there's obviously some sort of mystery of who Old Man Spider actually is. Um, I just I found this issue not all that interesting. I mean, I like seeing some of these versions of the characters. I like seeing that there's uh, Earth ninety four, which is funny because you know Ben Riley's from Night ninety four. Uh, seeing the blonde Spider Man in that version of the costume, having him kind of uh, having a brief interaction with Kane, uh, seeing Spider uh, Spider Woman or Gwen the Gwen Stacy Spider character. Um, seeing a Spider-Man who is from Earth-13, who's Cosmic Spider-Man, uh, he never gave up power. I mean, there's some, some of it's interesting in, in, in theory. I just felt that, again, it, it's so above Spider-Man's general pay grade that I don't know if I like having this big kind of, you know, cross-dimensional story with Spider-Man. It leaves me feeling a little bit indifferent. The way that it's, it looks like it's just going to be a wholesale slaughter, I don't find interesting at all. Uh, after what happened to the Mayday Parker last issue, which I absolutely abhorred, um, Peter Parker here just, he feels like an idiot. It feels like Dan Slott has gone, Spider-Man, he was writing him as a much smarter character, and then ever since he come back from the dead, I just feel like he's being, he's just an idiot. He just doesn't seem like he's that smart. And you have all these other different versions of Spider-Man who seem so much more put together, so much more you know, with it, and he just seems so, huh? Alternate versions of me, what? Like, fuck, really? Um, I just found that he gives other, Slot is giving other Spider-ish characters a lot more um, gravitas and, and personality and intelligence, and then for our core Spider-Man, the most, like, the one that we know and love the most, he just feels like he's being given nothing. Um, and it's really, really disappointing. Um, and I don't, I just don't think it's even fair to the character at all. Um, cause the character deserves more than this and we're not getting any of that here. Uh, so anyway, I'm going to give this maybe a, I don't know, five. Uh, the artwork's fantastic. There's, there's make no mistake. The artwork by Coipel is great. I just wish she had something better to illustrate. Speaking of a place where the art's better than the actual story, uh, we've got a Avengers and X-Men Axis number four, which is a giant clusterfuck of mess. Uh, it's written by Rick Remender, artwork by, I believe, let me just check here, pretty sure, yeah, Lionel Francis Yu. Um, I didn't like this, this is the first part of Inversion, uh, which could be cool, but instead it just it felt, I, I get that the characters are out of characters, and then why don't I care at all? Like, we have Captain America, you know, running his own, his team, he's getting darker and darker, and Carnage is being a hero, which I think was a little bit more effective in the way that we see him struggling with it in the Axis Carnage miniseries, but whatever. Um, Tony Stark showing up at a, at, a, what, at a San Francisco Giants game 
and deciding to turn everyone to extremists. I, I get that it's supposed to be like him not acting like himself, but I just I didn't really care for this the way it was written. Um, the whole kind of uh, the X Men deciding that they're going to kind of band together as a as an army and to potentially declare war with uh, you know Cyclops and Havoc on the same side and uh, Genesis kind of looking more and more like Apocalypse. Um, and seeing Magneto kind of turning away from it, the uh, Avengers deciding to kind of just stop the Hulk, sort of not to stop the Hulk, uh, try to kill um, the Red Skull. The Red Skull has now escaped. I just I found this issue just such a mess, and I just did not find it that interesting at all. Um, I get that it's supposed to be everyone's acting different, but I, I I just feel like I don't have any connection to this. They're just doing shit, shit I don't like, and I don't feel any real emotional connection to these characters even. Um, I just expected better. I expected a lot better from Remender. Uh, the artwork is, is the best part. I'm going to give it a 5, mainly based on the artwork and not based on the story, which, I, again, I didn't find that great. Uh, next up is uh, Death of Wolverine, Life After Logan, number 1. Uh, I don't know if we really need a whole mini... Like, there's like 800 miniseries looking at the Death of Logan. Um, I think it's a little much. Uh, actually, it's a lot much. It's way too much, but... Um, there was elements of this particular issue that I did like, um, seeing how some of these characters are written now that Wolverine is dead. I mean, again, it, it feels very, like it's not going to end up mattering a lot, but, uh, this particular issue, man, it's written by Jeff Loveness, writing a story called You, with Mario Del Panino on art, uh, in his honor, written by Joshua Hill Fialkov, artwork by Iban Coelho, and then a little piece of you by Rex Ogle and Patrick Sherberger. Uh, the first story is a Cyclops-centric story, which actually I really liked. The artwork could have been a little bit stronger, but I really liked the script and the way that um, it kind of summed up the relationship between Scott and Wolverine throughout the years. Uh, in his honor was kind of an interesting tale of Colossus and Nightcrawler going to Japan and getting into a, a big brawl, uh, both honoring Mariko and, and uh, Logan's love for her and also honoring Logan himself. And then there's a little piece of view, which is a, a tale of armor, uh, she's dealing with the loss of Wolverine, which I think was probably my least favorite of the stories. That being said, uh, even though the artwork was at times very inconsistent, I think it was one of the stronger releases we've seen in a while. Uh, well, not in a while, but one of the stronger Death of Wolverine kind of issues. Uh, next up is Death of Wolverine, the Weapon X program number one. Didn't really care for this. I uh, just didn't find it engaging. It's by Sewell and LaRocca. Um, kind of takes place right after the Death of Wolverine. I thought the whole story was very, I don't know, like you have these new char- all these characters kind of thrown together trying to escape the, uh, the Weapon X facility that Wolverine died in. There's kind of a big kind of ending here, which makes you think one thing, but I'm sure it's going to end up being something other. I just, I, again, I, I felt very indifferent. I didn't feel like I was really engaged in the story or in these characters. I continue to not really appreciate or enjoy LaRocca's current art style. I'm going to give it a five and I'm being charitable. Uh, next up is Green Lantern. And this would be issue number 36, uh, Continuing Godhead, uh, which has actually ended up being really, really kind of enjoyable and good. Um, it's uh, Act 2, Part 1, written by Venditti, artwork by Portella. I like how we're getting a good sense of who the new gods are, even as we have uh, the Green Lanterns and everyone else kind of dealing with what to do next. There's some great stuff in here with Green Lantern and Sinestro and summing up their relationship. Um, the idea that Green Lantern is going to go back to try and get Black Hand to kind of team up uh, because they need his help. 
Um, I don't even remember what's currently going on with Black Hand, so I kind of fell out of the loop here in terms of what his current continuity even looks like. I liked, again, the big thing here is seeing the developments from the issue of Sinestro, so we're feeling like the crossover is feeling more and more like a crossover, whereas the first few issues of each title felt more or less standalone in their own way. Um, I'm liking the storyline. This isn't as good as the Sinestro tie-in, but it's still quite enjoyable. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. And last but not least, Hulk number 8. Uh, I continue to really enjoy this book. Uh, Mark Bagley's just killing it on art. Um, and Jerry Dugan's writing a really good story. I like, and I didn't even know Leonard Sampson was dead, so I kind of like that beginning where we have um, Doc Green going to check and make sure that he's still dead, so just in case he would have to use his his serum on him. Um, we find out who, who shot Bruce Banner, which is a big deal, and also how Betty uh, is involved in that. Uh, Betty is ready to, to then fight uh, Doc Green and ends up kind of not being that much of a fight because it was over before it even started. Um, I just, I've really enjoyed these kind of almost done-in-ones with classic Hulk characters or Hulkish characters going up against Doc Green. Uh, seeing how Doc Green's handling everything is really cool. Next issue appears to have Kitty Pride on the cover, so I'm interested to see how that happens. Um, but I really dug this. So I'm going to give this a, uh, 8.5 out of 10. I think it was probably my favorite read. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to give it a 9. I think it was my favorite read of the week so far of the 8 comics I've read. Um, the books I didn't get a chance to look at include the following, Aquaman and the Others, number 7, Batman Eternal, 31, Detective Comics, 36, Earth 2, number 28, Earth 2, World's End, number 5, Ferris, 31, Flash, Season 0, number 2, Gotham Academy, number 2, Grayson, number 4, Green Arrow, 36, Injustice, Gods Among Us, Year 3, number 3, Justice League, 3000, number 11, Lobo, number 2, Names, number 3, New 52, Features End, 27, Scooby-Doo, Team-Up, number 7, Superman Unchained, number 9, Swamp Thing, 36, Tiny Titans, Return of the Trios, number 6, Dark Tower, Drawing of 3, Prisoner, number 4, uh, Deadpool's Art of War, number 2, Death of Wolverine, Life After Logan, number 1, uh, oh, actually, sorry, I actually just talked about that, so I did read that, uh, Death of, uh, let's see, Legendary Star-Lord, number 5, Men of Wrath, by Jason Aaron, number 2, Miracle Man, number 13, Rocket Raccoon, number 5, Spider-Verse, Team Up, number 1, and X-Men, 21. Uh, so obviously I have a lot of reading to catch up on. Uh, if we look at next week's releases, or releases that will be coming out tomorrow, uh, on November the 12th, they include some of the following highlights. Uh, the next issue of the Batman Endgame storyline in Batman 36. Um... Uh, looks like we've got the, I think next week is the Batman Complete TV Series uh, exclusive limited uh, edition Blu-ray and book set that's coming out to comic book stores. Uh, we've also got Earth 2 World's End number 6, as well as all the other uh, weekly series, uh, as well as um, an issue of a second printing of Rhythm Rises Omega, if you missed it. Uh, looking at Image Comics, we have uh, Invincible Trade Paperback Volume 20, as well as the new issue of Dream Police. And also a new issue of Walking Dead, as well as the second issue of, of Scott Snyder's Witches. And then at Marvel Comics, we've got the all-new Captain America number one, uh, all-new Ultimates number ten, uh, new another issue of uh, Avengers and X-Men Axis. Uh, for those following the Epic Collections, there's the Avengers Epic Collection volume one called Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Uh, for those who enjoyed the Avengers Undercover storyline, the second trade paperback comes out, as well as Avengers World trade paperback volume two. Uh, second issues of Axis, Hobgoblin, and Bucky Barnes, Winter Soldier. Uh, we've got the second uh, Fantastic Four trade paperback by James Robinson called Original Sin. Uh, the second issue of Guardians 3000. 
uh, a new issue of Nightcrawler, the first Nightcrawler trade paperback, collecting Todd Nock and Chris Claremont's current run called Homecoming. Um, there's a new, I think the last issue of She-Hulk. I might be wrong, but I think issue 10 is the last one. New issues of Silver Surfer, of Spider-Verse, the anthology, as well as the launch of Superior Iron Man as part of Axis, as well as Thor number 2, as well as the Thor, the God of Thunder, trade paperback volume 3. So that's everything coming out this week. This ended up being a lot longer episode than I thought, considering I only had eight books to talk about, so 16 minutes isn't bad. Uh, next episode will be on Friday, November the 14th, which I recorded, uh, God, almost a week ago at this point, uh, with uh, Nathan Strzok making his uh, triumphant return to the show, as well as Paul Scorez, as we look at the flashback to X-Men Operation Zero Tolerance. If you want to email the show, you can do so at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, as well as post in our HTRM's thread eventually when I get around to posting them as well. Thank you for joining me for this episode, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye.